Welcome, everyone, joining us here on another edition of our Sacramento State Stingers Up football podcast. So glad to be here on playoff week. Well, technically playoff week began last week, but for the Hornets, they were scouting. They were waiting. They were trying to get healthy to see who they would face, and we now know that's the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. We'll be talking a lot about that game today here on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I am Jason Ross, and so excited for Saturday's playoff game. Man, this is, I I hope Hornet fans out there that have uh, been following the program for a long time, I've been doing this for a long time. These last two full seasons have been so personally rewarding for me. I know for Steve McElroy, Danny Sullivan, the guys that uh, do the games, us together, we've enjoyed it. I I always enjoy my time with the Hornets if they're two and nine or nine and two, but this last two years has been just great. It's been so much fun to see them play, watch them grow, root for them, see them get better. This year has been a classic case of getting better, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And I hope Hornet fans out there have enjoyed it as much as we have. And today on the podcast, we're going to get more perspective on the opponent, South Dakota State. That's who's coming at Hornet Stadium Saturday night. We hope you get out there to support good football. I mean, it really should be a phenomenal game. And uh, today, Tyler Merriam, the play-by-play voice of the Jackrabbits, will join us. We'll get his perspective here in just a few moments on South Dakota State. Really a good football team, 10 straight years in the postseason, a fantastic running game, and a dominant performance last week. I don't know if you guys watched it. I know I did as uh, they battled UC Davis. And, you know, for the first part of the game, it was anybody's game. And then the Jackrabbits' run game just went into full effect. The turnover started happening, and uh, South Dakota State dominated that performance. So uh, just a quick look at the FCS championship bracket. You know it started with 24. It's down to 16. These two teams this week playing for the Elite Eight. Um, The seeded team, Sam Houston, was waiting. They have moved on, or they are waiting this weekend as well. Uh, They know their bracket. Montana State checking in on the Big Sky teams. They're going to face UT Martin. They were the eight seed. They had the bye, so they are going to play this week. Also, uh, from the Big Sky, we mentioned UC Davis losing to South Dakota State last week. That sets up this matchup this week with the Hornets. Also in the bracket, Eastern Washington did defeat Northern Iowa, one of the teams that did defeat Sacramento State this year, also from the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Uh, They... Eastern Washington defeated them, so Eastern Washington and Montana are going to play. So the Big Sky will cannibalize each other a little bit, at least get one team in the Elite Eight. Uh, that game is Friday night, uh, so you look forward to seeing how that will all go. The Hornets will also you know, be all concerned and locked in on South Dakota State. They have to be, but either team's next opponent is playing Friday night. Their little sub-regional bracket, number five, Villanova, the favorite. They will host Holy Cross, Friday night. Uh, So uh, the winner of Sacramento State, South Dakota State, will know who their opponent is before kickoff of that Hornet game on Saturday night. So uh, with that said, uh, I mean, there's just so much to talk about, so much to think about, and I'm just so fired up for this game. I don't know if I can tell, (laughs) if you can tell about that. But I'm just so proud of the Hornet season, um, the way it started at 1-2, and to win the big sky, to go 8-0, to have a record. Five Big Sky teams make it, and the Hornets are the one that broke through that. And so here they are in a matchup that really, when you look at it on stats, um, you'll hear from Tyler Merriam coming up. It This is even. I mean, this is going to be a really difficult matchup. 
and it should be. Nothing should be easy now. And I said last week, the only advantage I think the Hornets have coming into this week was that they could spend a lot of time preparing on South Dakota State. They weren't disrespecting UC Davis. Davis had every opportunity to win that game last week, but the Hornets knew very well about the Aggies already, had played them and had schemed for them just the week prior. So they got extra time to spend on South Dakota State. That certainly is no given. That is no um, means to say it's going to be a huge advantage for the Hornets, but that should help. Now, you still have to go out and execute, have to take away what South Dakota State does and does well, which is their run game, which is phenomenal with Pierre Strong and Isaiah Davis. But um, I think in, in the most simplistic form, it's really going to come down to those other things. Turnovers. And last week, UC Davis unraveled with six turnovers. One of the Hornets' losses this year to Northern Iowa, six turnovers. So uh, they're going to have to take care of the football uh, probably try to get ahead of the game. That's usually when the Hornets are at their best. And if you get behind a team like South Dakota State and try to um, you know, be a little bit too aggressive or flip the game around, that's why I think they can burn you. With They've got so much experience. Uh, they're in the spring national championship, and basically 20 starters are back from the 22. It's a senior-laden team, a grad student senior-laden team. They've been in the playoffs 10 years in a row. This will be a battle, and the Hornets will earn it if they get through it. So will the Jackrabbits because the Hornets are good too. And I'm really looking forward to this game uh, coming up on Saturday. So let's learn more about South Dakota State right now. All right, we continue our Stingers Up Sacramento State football podcast, and now let's let's check in on the opponent. And this is not just your average opponent. Man, South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits are loaded. We know they're good. The Hornets know they're good, and it's going to be a great matchup on Saturday. And the guy who gets to call their games is Tyler Merriam joining us. Tyler, how are you? I'm doing very well, Jason. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm I'm uh, I'm seeing just touchdown Jackrabbits, touchdown Jackrabbits, touchdown. <laughs> my goodness, interception Jackrabbits. I of course everybody in Sacramento is watching the, the game last week, and sure. wow, what a show you guys just put on on uh, UC Davis. Yeah, it was a very impressive performance. Uh, and the interesting thing is, you look back early in the second quarter, it's ten seven UC Davis. You know, and it would be easy for doubt to creep in. And in about a five minute stretch, there you have. Three touchdowns scored by SDSU, and then the turnovers started to occur. And as you pointed out, six interceptions, which tied a program record. This is a Jackrabbit team that when it gets rolling, uh, it can roll in a hurry because of the physicality of the offensive line and two All-American running backs. And so when it gets rolling, it can be awfully hard to stop. The teams that make them drive the length of the field have had success, but the big plays can happen in a heartbeat, and that's certainly what did in uh, UC Davis on Saturday. In watching the game, obviously six interceptions is an outlier, but that running game is not. I mean, that's legit. When you have the big line, uh, Pierre Strong, Isaiah Davis, to have him back too, I mean – taking the turnovers away, I still felt like maybe you guys could have run for 700 yards. It's just that running game was, was lethal on Saturday. We joked that maybe they should have counted the return yards in the rushing yards, you know, <laughs> to balance all that out. But, no, Isaiah Davis, a freshman All-American who had an unbelievable performance in the national championship game in May, suffered an injury in the first quarter of week two and missed all of the rest of the regular season until the finale. So this has been a jackrabbit offense that's had to do some different things with only Pierre Strong Jr. at running back. And while Pierre is, is an unbelievable running back from a burst standpoint, and he's great at putting his foot in the turf and cutting, 
he's not that 25, 30 carry a game guy between the tackles. That's where Davis comes in, and they offset each other so well. So during the course of the year, they kind of had to retool some things offensively. But now with Davis back, they're able to really utilize both of those guys, um, deviate some of the carries. And, of course, the other thing, too, is we all know you get to the end of the year and you're always so worried, especially in SDSU's case, having played so many games in the spring as well. You worry about the health of the team and and the bumps and the bruises and how everything adds up. And here you have an All-American caliber running back who has 50 carries on the year, you know, coming into the the December playoff run. That's certainly an advantage for SDSU. Yeah, he looked fresh. He looked strong. Obviously, Pierre Strong was great. Um, And and I think it was Bill Parcells who said this. You are what your record says you are. But I get the feeling, (laughs) Tyler, that no one thinks you guys were a first-round team. Everybody felt... Well, you guys probably are a top eight team, even a top five team. Um, you know, you got the bracket that you got, but didn't you feel like you guys were probably a, a seeded team most of the year? Well, I think certainly the thought was this team was capable of that, but they didn't end up deserving that. And so it, I want to be very particular in saying this. There is no scenario in which this team is saying that the committee didn't give them their just due or anything like that. SDSU lost two games by all rights. It felt like it should have won. Had a 20-point lead at home against Southern Illinois, ended up going to overtime, failed on a two-point conversion against a team that made the playoffs. And then against South Dakota, another team that made the playoffs, uh, had the game won and trying to run out the clock, didn't do it. And with one second left, USD got one final play and, and throws a Hail Mary for a touchdown that was deflected around three different times and caught in the end zone for a 57-yard game-winning touchdown. Those two plays, literally, if you convert on the two-point conversion and don't give up the Hail Mary, the Jacks are 10-1 and one and probably are the two-seed instead of North Dakota State. So they feel like they're that close. But like I said, they didn't finish the job. So they know they've created this scenario, and now they have to go through it. Uh, But by the same token, they also know, based upon what they accomplished in the spring, the history of this program, 10 straight postseason appearances, they know that they have it in them to do it. They just have to go out and execute it, which is easier said than done against some of the quality teams that they're going to have to go through, starting with this opponent in Sacramento State on Saturday. So, Tyler, the Hornets didn't play in the spring, and I, I don't know. You know, we watched UC Davis play in the spring. Some other teams in the Big Sky play, and I don't mm-hmm. want to say it didn't count. Obviously, it did. It just, I, I don't know. How did it feel playing in the spring? And you guys were that close from winning the championship. Did it feel like a fall season? Kind of describe what the spring was like. It was, it was weird. I think that's the only way to say it. It was weird at times. Once the games got going, you got immersed in the game itself. But in the lead-up and with you know virtually nobody in the stands, similar to the basketball scenario that everybody dealt with, it just had a unique feeling to it. Now, I will say once the Jacks got to Frisco in the national championship game, a lot of fans were allowed in. It wasn't the normal setup there, but there were enough fans there. There was a lot of noise in that stadium. That felt about as normal as a game did. And so the heartbreak for SDSU of coming oh so close to a national championship and losing in the final you know, 30 seconds, uh, that felt as real as anything. Certainly, like you bring up, when you didn't have Montana, you didn't have Montana State, you didn't have Sacramento State competing. Uh, UC Davis was invited and didn't take the bid into the postseason. That certainly changed the game a little bit. It did. Uh, But by the same token, SDSU did everything it was asked to do and and played all the way up until the final uh, 30 seconds there with a lead in the national championship game. So it was a unique experience, um, but I think by the same token, 
because they went through that, they feel like they're even more equipped mm. to try to make what will be a challenging run here this December. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask about because, I mean, I'm sure that gave them a ton of confidence. Basically, everybody's back from that spring run. And I don't know if it feels like unfinished business, but obviously talent enough to get in seconds away from winning the national title and yeah. all that playoff experience. Do they feel like they've got the goods to, to make a long run here? They certainly feel like they have it. And you look this season, actually, they've played better on the road than they have at home overall, uh, which is kind of unique. But they feel like they have everything in them. Of course, one of the wild cards in all this is the quarterback. And you talk about how everybody's back from that championship run. Chris Oladokun is the one guy who wasn't on this team when they made that run. He transferred, uh, literally took an SDSU offer 10 days after the national championship. It was that quick because SDSU had its top two quarterbacks both go down with significant knee injuries, one in March and then one in the championship game. So SDSU had to go scrambling. Oladokun has come in, and he's succeeded at everybody's expectations and played really, really well. He's the one guy who hasn't really been through this. And so there certainly is a question. Now, he played extremely well uh, in the opening round game, and so there's certainly hope there. But he's the one guy that hasn't. Other than that, all these guys have been down this road. Some of them – Logan Backus is a six-year senior and three-time team captain at linebacker. I mean, he's played in more playoff games than a lot of guys that he'll play against during the year have played in regular season games, you know, because of how, how long he's been around. So that certainly helps SDSU. They feel like they're good enough to do this. They just have to go out and execute. And like we said, it's easier said than done. But if you're in this position, you should have that confidence. Let's pick a perfect scenario, Tyler, for the offense. So obviously we see what they can do and have been capable of with their run game. What do they want from Oladokun in a game? Like just, I don't want to say game manager because that sometimes is looked at negatively, but uh, do they really want to be a run-heavy team and then mix and match kind of the pass game? Yeah, they want to dictate the tempo. They want to dictate when they will throw. And they want to be able to get the football to their guys in space. They want Tucker Craft, who they feel was an NFL-caliber tight end. And, of course, Dallas Goddard, who's uh, making plenty of money on Sundays with the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles, was the previous tight end here at SDSU. So when they say they see a future NFL tight end, they probably know what they're talking about. Uh, they speak very highly of Kraft. He's a beast. and He's a guy who, if, if a cornerback or a safety tries to tackle him, that's a load. He's 6'5", 240, 250. And then you have a 6'7", tight end who has very good hands opposite him. They'll play them both a lot. Then they have twin brothers, the Yankees, at wide receiver. And, and Jackson, number 10, is very good in the screen game. They love to get him out in space. So a lot of times... They don't ask Oladokun to throw the ball downfield. He throws a very good deep ball, and they'll pick and choose their spots. But they like to be able to control it with, can we get the ball to Yankee or Kraft or Hines two or three yards past the line of scrimmage in a man-on-man situation and dare the opposing team, hey, your linebacker can't keep up with Jackson Yankee or your safety can't tackle Tucker Kraft. That's what they really like to do. They don't want to go five wide and be throwing the ball 30 yards downfield. It's not that they can't. They just feel their strength is running the football and then being smart in the short to intermediate passing game. How about if we flip it to the defense, Tyler? Obviously, last week, no exception with all the turnovers, but their plus uh, turnover margin is incredible. They get after the quarterback a little bit. What would you say is the strength of the, the Jackrabbit defense? I think really it's the defensive line. And if you just look at the numbers, that wouldn't jump out to you, but that's because they run in a ton of bodies. You're going to see at least 10, if not 11 or 12 defensive linemen in this game. They run them in early and often. So they have a couple of guys who are good, but there isn't a huge drop-off. 
And a lot of times when you say that, it's because you feel, well, they're all just average. They're all above average. You know, they may not have that superstar breakout NFL guy up front, but they're very, very good up and down the front four. And then the next level beyond that, at the linebacker position, you have a 60-year senior captain at one linebacker, and then you have a, another linebacker out there in Adam Bach who really runs all over the field and has made uh, almost 200 tackles this calendar year between the spring uh, and the fall. So he's had an amazing year. The cornerback position, they do have an All-American and Don Gardner. He's very good as well. But again, if you had to pick one unit, I think the defensive line is really where it starts. And that's part of why the linebackers have so much success. That D-line allows the linebackers to roam freely and make a lot of plays. Special teams-wise, if you know, sometimes these games can come down to that, what, what do you feel about the Jackrabbit special teams core? Special teams has been good. The return game hasn't really done much this year. Uh, they, they typically just fair catch. They haven't taken a lot of opportunities. They had a big fumble in the punt return game that led to a, US, a UC Davis touchdown in the second quarter last week. Uh, the kicking game, Cole Fromm, has been very good. Uh, last week with a challenging win, he went 0 for 3, but they don't feel like that's something that will ride with him. He's made three 50-plus yard field goals in this calendar year, one in the spring two in the fall. The punt game is good. They do a good job covering, but they haven't taken a lot of opportunities in the return game, and so that's one thing. I think they're they're good, but they're not elite. I would say that the uh, the UC Davis special teams, the Sacramento State special teams, I think have a leg up on SDSUs. Um, is, I, you already chronicled kind of the two losses that easily could have gone the other way in favor of the Jackrabbits, but if we put them all three together, Southern Illinois, uh, South Dakota, the Hail Mary game, and then uh, Northern Iowa, is is there any other kind of common thread that ah, that's part of the reason why the Jackrabbits lost? Anything that you can tie together for the three losses? Well, I, you know, I don't think so much with Southern Illinois, but I think in the, the other two, I think there was a case where physical up front, the Jacks didn't reach the level they expect to. UNI was more physical in that game. And Northern Iowa and NDSU are typically the two most physical games SDSU plays every year. You just kind of know that. And UNI was more physical that day, which was obviously disappointing to the coaching staff. And USD, knowing it was a huge game against its rival playing at home, was very physical as well. Southern Illinois, there was just some freakish things that happened there. SDSU defense couldn't get off the field. It had two long touchdowns while it still couldn't get off the field. It just wore down in the second half. But I think the other two games, the physicality is what stands out. I think that's the way to beat SDSU is to be more physical than them. That's... uh, Certainly what the other two uh, uh, wins were, the USD and UNI wins in the end. Southern Illinois is just kind of a wild, spread-it-out team that was able to have the ball a lot, and SDSU's defense wore down because of that in the end. Well, obviously the selection committee thinks highly of the Missouri Valley and the Big Sky. I love that uh, yeah. we're getting this matchup. I do think highly both of, of both conferences, too, because, yeah. I mean, they're both really, really good, and I think, we, I think this matchup's going to be a lot of fun on Saturday. No, I agree. It's very exciting. And, you know, the other part that's so great about the playoffs, too, and I know that our two conferences feel this the most, is it's nice to see somebody new. SDSU and North Dakota State have seemingly played every other year in the playoffs. <laughs> and, and certainly SDSU has struggled to beat them, but NDSU wants new blood up there in the Fargo. Dome. They wanna, don't want to see the same old Jackrabbits every other year either. And no doubt when you look and you see some of these first-round matchups in the big sky, you know, it's like, if UC Davis won, do you really want UC Davis and Sacramento State again? They just played. Right. You know, let's, 
I understand regionalization and why it occurs, but it's just too bad we can't see more of this. And this is what's fun. Here are two programs that haven't seen each other, and it's going to be a new experience for uh, us Jackrabbits out there in Sacramento, somebody new for you guys to see. That's what this should be all about. And, and like you said, two very good football teams. It should be a lot of fun to see the, the contrast in styles on Saturday night. Yeah, I would say uh, it really stuck out to me, and both teams played Northern Iowa, both lost to Northern Iowa. They came out here, and uh, the Hornets were leading at half, but just had a, a brutal second half with a lot of turnovers. But it did feel like a discrepancy in the size versus the speed. And some plays you go, oh my gosh, the size is just wearing down the Hornets. And then other plays you're like, well, that speed helped uh, blow up that play. So it, it was really an interesting uh, style difference when they played Northern Iowa. And maybe we'll see that Saturday too. Well, and like you said, you just you never know how that stuff plays out because you can point to certain plays, as you said, and you say, boy, the physicality. Then on other mm-hmm. sides, well, they're, they're a little quicker, and, and how does all this go? And you just never know, right? And so it's going to be very interesting to see. And I think the biggest part of all this, we talk about how these teams match up. Like we just said in the UC Davis game, or when you guys played you and I, if one of these teams plays fast and loose with the football, yep. if that pigskin gets turned over three or four times, it doesn't matter what the yardage is, doesn't matter how physical somebody is or how much faster somebody is, that can be the, the ultimate uh, uh, ability to even things out is that turnover battle. And so if, if both teams take care of the football, we could see a classic on Saturday. Yeah, I think last week, if I'm not mistaken, Tyler, all eight games, the whoever won the turnover battle won the game. Now, it might have been plus sure. one. Your game was sure. drastic, but it is a difference maker every week on who takes care of the ball. No question. And even that UNI game you go back to, uh, in the regular season, only one time did the Jackrabbit defense allow a first possession score. Huh. UNI forced a fumble deep in SDSU territory and only had a six-play drive, two third downs, but scored from, I think it was 18 yards out. And that kind of put SDSU on its heels, you know, and that was a big factor early in the game. So SDSU didn't turn it over six times in that game, but just felt like it was going uphill the whole time because of that big turnover early and momentum and how all those things go. So it certainly will be a huge factor on Saturday and, and Friday in all these games and will continue to be the rest of the way, I'm sure. It's going to be fun. Well, we definitely look forward to seeing you out here on Saturday. Uh, Hornet fans are so excited. It's, it's still new territory relatively for everyone out here being in it uh, for sure. the first time two years ago. Disappointed to lose in that opening round game. But uh, a new chance on Saturday. I know we're looking forward to it. Well, and I'll tell you this, it doesn't get old. Having been in this a number of years in the <laughs> yeah. row now, it doesn't get old, and it certainly seems like what Coach Taylor's done out there is building things for a, a level of consistency, and I'm excited to see uh, how that Sacramento State program continues to build as he really gets to uh, you know, deepen his, uh, his footprint in that program. Yeah, he certainly has done that. Well, Tyler, thank you so much. We look forward to uh, meeting you and seeing you out here on Saturday. No, I can't wait, Jason. All right, Tyler, thank you. Our thanks to Tyler Merriam. He will be in the house on Saturday. Hopefully you guys will be there as well, uh, watching, listening, uh, or there in person, uh, checking it all out. I hope there's more Hornet football to go next week. We certainly will recap this one and be looking forward or kind of reflective on the season, but it's been been awesome. And uh, since I got, you know, I'm so far ahead this week as far as things that I'm trying to get done and get prepared for the game, I thought I'd throw this in at the end. It's the little hype game tease that we're going to air on the radio right before kickoff or right before the game, I should say. So uh, we'll end today's podcast short and sweet today with this kind of the uh, game tease for the playoffs between South Dakota State and Sacramento State. Uh, We'll let that roll out here at the end. Thanks so much for listening. We're glad you're part of the Stingers Up football podcast.
If you need proof that the college football season is a long one, well, let's take you back to September when the Hornets were just beginning and they couldn't find their footing. A third quarter that has produced 21 points for Northern Iowa. None for the Hornets. Well, doesn't even know yards for the Hornets. Yeah, nothing. That loss to Northern Iowa, followed by another to Cal, and the Hornets were entering the daunting big sky at just one and two. From that point on, though, the Hornets found another gear and have played some great football. Kyle Sinkowski is trying to make some history here. Snap placed down, the kick on the way, has the distance. It's good! Kyle Sinkowski sets the school record from 51, a bomb. It's fourth and 16. Do they bring the heat? Do they get the pressure? Four will come. Brown back to throw on fourth and long. He is sacked! He is sacked! And the Hornets are going to get the victory. Killian Roscoe comes up with the sack. And for the first time in school history, the Hornets just have to take a knee. And they're going to win in Missoula, Montana. They give to Scadaboo. Power run up the middle. Breaks a tackle. Takes on another. Takes on a third. He spins to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Hornets. Wow. Cameron Scadaboo taking on all defenders, spinning, turning, and then falling into the end zone for a score. Eight straight wins, Big Sky champions, coach of the year, a school record, 16 players receiving all-conference honors, but they're still unfinished business. The Hornets have made it back to the postseason, similar to their first trip to the FCS playoffs two years ago, a four seed, a bye, and now they host the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. The Jackrabbits are playoff regulars. They have a reputation, and they come from the powerful Missouri Valley Football Conference. The experts are picking South Dakota State. The odds makers have them favored by nine. The Hornets must rise up again and prove the doubters wrong. It's round two of the FCS playoffs. The Hornets and Jackrabbits play for the Elite Eight, and it's next. Next.